Jordan Ostroff here from Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to find out what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Today's guest comes to us all the way from across the country. <laughs> so our first non-international, our first non-international guest in about a week and a half, Josh Barron. Josh is a criminal defense lawyer in Salt Lake City, Utah. He and his wife have 11 children ranging from 19 to three with another on the way. Congratulations. Thank you. The, uh, going for the dozen. Do you get, if you buy 12, do you get one free? Is it a bigger <laughs> dozen of children? We'll see. I'll let you know. I'm hoping. He also uh, coaches lawyers to help them build powerful referral relationships without begging or advertising. And I think the begging part is such a strong point because I think a lot of people get that feeling of, you know, the need to uh, ask or beg for referrals. And I think you end up pushing people away. So fantastic. He's got a bunch of things to share with us today. We're going to be talking about the hidden secrets to finding clients with great referrals. But before we dive into his backstory, I want to talk about our last episode that aired on Monday with Filippo Piras from the Shield app, who shared with us the seven tips to becoming visible online. Um, some really good stuff, especially for anybody interested in using LinkedIn, which is actually how Josh and I met. We met through LinkedIn. So it is definitely possible <laughs> to use LinkedIn to build connections and referral relationships and whatnot. But uh, enough about that last episode. Josh, what did I leave out from your wonderful bio? Oh, man. Um, you know, I try to play guitar every day. I, uh, I, I am pretty active on LinkedIn and, you know, just, just living the dream. Utah's a good place to live. There we go. So when we're talking about um, the hidden secrets to finding clients with great referrals, I get, I think the first place to start is what is a, a referral? Like I know, you know, we think we know what a referral is, but according to you, what is a referral really? Yeah, to me, a referral is a recommendation. It's when somebody like puts their credibility on the line and vouches for you and says, you know, this is the guy for you or this is the gal for you. So, um, that's a big ask. It's a big, it's a big thing for someone to do because they're risking that relationship by recommending you. And so it's basically the biggest vote that someone can give for you or your business. And so, I mean, is this as simple as somebody like tagging you on Facebook if somebody's looking for something that you do, or is there more to it than that? I mean, um, there's, it depends on what your goals are and there might be practice areas that are so high volume that like a tag like that is going to be kind of the type of introduction you want. But um, the really like powerful introductions are when someone's, you know, so let, let me just give you an example of a referral that I received recently. I um, got a call from uh, one of my friends who's an attorney um, about an hour and a half away from my office, and he represents a lot of doctors and dentists. And one of the, um, one of the dentists that he worked with had gotten a criminal charge, and this was going to affect his license. And so he said, hey, would you work with this person and... Um, can you try to work this out, work the criminal charge out in a way that's not going to affect his license? So for me, that's just like my absolutely ideal client because it's a high stakes case. The client cares a ton about getting a great outcome. And it happened to be a type of case that I know I've done millions of. I know exactly how to do it. And so um, that kind of introduction where they say, hey, this is the person for you. They're going to be able to help you. Um, it's just that's that's sort of like the gold standard best, best, best type of referral. And so are they, you know, with lawyers, we've got all those weird rules with solicitation and whatnot. So like in this situation, 
The other lawyer is linking this person to you with a phone call, with an email, with a, just giving your information. What's the most effective way of that? Yeah, I think in this situation, he was already a client of this. So the client was already a client of this other attorney. And then he asked that attorney to find him in a, a criminal attorney. And so then I gave that attorney my cell phone number and we ended up talking to that client and, you know, it took five minutes for, to start that representation. Gotcha. And so I love this from the standpoint of like, not only clearly the client trusts the original attorney, clearly the original attorney trusts you for this part of it. And then obviously you're passing your information back to make this like a, a you know, a triangle of win, win, win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we both have uh, read some of Stacey Brown Randall stuff and I, you know, I think like I have to give her credit because she's really helped me a lot understand how, um, how referrals happen and how to increase the likelihood of referrals. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree that there's that sort of triangle of the originating person, the person who's receiving the business and the client. And a lot of it comes down to the relationship between the attorney receiving the business and the person who's originating the business. Yeah, absolutely. So walk me through a little bit, you know, I want to hear a little bit more about the history of your firm as you got the, you know, like, or did you start out being so referral based? Was that a newer addition? I shouldn't say newer. Was that something yeah. you moved into after some time? I mean, walk me through that. I, so I'm a total convert. Like I, I started out as, um, I, you know, so because I do criminal defense, I thought my clients, my ideal clients, these doctors, dentists, lawyers, professionals who get criminal charges, I don't expect them to tell their friends, Hey, I got a DUI and Josh Barron helped me, you know? So I, for a long time thought that referrals really couldn't happen for criminal defense. And so, um, I started my firm in 2009 and we were a hundred percent advertising based and that worked, you know, like it paid the bills and it worked. But then in 2017, my business partner retired. And so now it was just my firm. And I got to think like, what, what do I really want? And um, the practices that I envied were the practices that were all referral based. So starting in 2017, we, we really, our team really started to, you know, laser focus on building a referral business. And honestly, we had to change some really bad habits that we had that were preventing us from getting referrals and then start to build those relationships. And it's been, it's been like the best business decision I've ever had made to, to make that focus. So did you... I guess, so basically for you, it was seeing these other happy attorneys, great attorneys, well thought of attorneys and realizing that they were all going basically fully referral based. Yeah, that was huge for me. That was huge. And so, um, you know, one of the conversations that I had with one of uh, my good friends, who's a hundred percent referral based, um, I asked him, you know, do you have any advice for me about how I could do more referral business? And he said, well, um, he said, I send out a lot of referrals and um, he said, I have a one strike in your out rule. If you, if I send you a referral and then I get a call back from the client saying, Josh won't call me back. I can't get a hold of them. I'm never going to send you another case. And that really kind of struck me because I had made that mistake many times where I, somebody had sent me a referral and then I hadn't given them a great experience. And so I'm sure they went back to the source of the referral and said, you know, this Josh Barron, he's the worst. And of course that destroys the relationship. They're never going to make that referral again. So the first step we had to start with was to really create a stellar client experience. And we started from having a very poor client experience. Like we did not, this was not something that came naturally to us. We, uh, you know, our communication just wasn't great with our, our, uh, clients, but, uh, the first step for us was to really improve that and to turn it into a really positive client experience. 
So, I mean, one, it, it says a lot that you were willing to admit that and then also taking steps to uh, accommodate that. I, I want to jump in with a question from our audience and then we'll circle back here because I think it, it's, it relates to this. So Carlos asks, how do you start from scratch getting clients? I mean, is that something that you think people can do referrals from day one or, is, or, or at least what did you do the first, you know, at the beginning of making that switch other than changing, you know, the back of house treatment of clients? So, you know, so that's a great question. It's an interesting question. Um, so from 2017 to 2020, we maintained our advertising and we were spending about a quarter million dollars per year on advertising, which for me was a lot. Um, so, so one thing I would say is that, um, if you're desperate for referrals, it's creepy. If you, if you have to pay your bills today with referrals and you don't, and you're not getting any referrals, that's creepy. And so one way to, um, be able to start from a position of strength is to have either an advertising way or some other way to kind of pay the, the bills. And then the referrals are sort of the, cr the, the cream on top. And then over time, kind of transitioning that to being hundred percent, there's, like if, if somebody said like, okay, if you had to get a referral today to feed your family, what would you do? I would say, I would go get a job. I don't get a, I don't get a referral. So my, my personal philosophy is you've got to be patient when building referral relationships and trying to be desperate and trying to make it happen right away is the best way to make it not happen. So finding some way to kind of pay the general bills while you build those sort of ideal client referral relationships is, is the way I would go about it. See, it's so funny because I talk to a lot of attorneys that I sort of push them into the opposite perspective. And I guess not mm. the opposite perspective, the opposite chronology that like, I 100% I, I agree with what you said. Like, you're not going to get referrals tomorrow. It's not going to work as well. But a lot of the attorneys that we work with, we're helping them build that referral base so that they can get enough wiggle room to save mm. the time and put some of that into advertising. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it's really interesting to see that you all did the flip of that. And obviously... There's no one right way to grow a firm, but I love that That's you right. identified why you wanted to be more referral based, you know, wh where that position you in the marketplace. And then that helps you make a million other decisions. Yeah, that's right. And I think like being clear about where you want to go is so key. So I personally like having just like this little boutique, I take care of all the clients, I do everything for them. And then other people want to grow a large like business. And I think both are fine, but I think that, uh, mixing those two can be really dangerous. Like if you're doing strategies that lead to one, but you're trying to achieve the other outcome, it's just going to lead to unhappy clients and un unhappy lawyers. So our, uh, I got a follow-up follow um, thing here. So I want to give my perspective and then see yours. Yep. So Carlos says he's in a unique position whereby he gets paid well in his current job, but wants to start practicing on the side before leaving the current job. And so from that perspective, I guess he's not as, he doesn't really need the, the money or the referrals to rush it. So my suggestion would be try and do maybe some free work with um, legal aid or something along those lines to build a little bit of a client base, keep building those relationships on the referrals and keep the day job. And then as you start seeing more and more people calling, it's easier to transition. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. I mean, I think that some people think that referrals are only for people who run their own business. You know, obviously if you're an associate or if you're an employee at a firm and you're bringing in business the power dynamic completely shifts from you being kind of like, Hey, I really hope they keep paying me to being like, this is when I want to work. This is how I want to work. These are the kinds of cases I want to work on. So you can 100% start building referral relationships before, like as an employee at another firm, 
Um, and those, if you, if they're the right kinds of relationships, they'll follow you when you leave and start your own thing. So I don't think you need to wait. You can just start, start building those relationships now and, and they'll pay off in lots of different ways down the road. Yeah. I always, I mean, I always tell everybody there, if you're coming to me with a $200,000 book of business, I will make room for you, you know, in a way that makes sense for both of us. It's, it's everyone is of, hiring. If you have that kind of book, that's right. Right. So, um, that's awesome, Carlos. So he talked about, um, promising himself to take some immigration cases for free after he passes the bar so that he can give back as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And there's a ton of different nonprofits and whatnot that are setting people up with free or very cheap legal services, especially for immigration. Um, just don't, you know, don't rush it and make sure you've got the support of the, you know, learning the lawyer side, learning the law side having somebody to, as a mentor to bounce ideas off of, as you continue to grow those relationships to be able to then, you know, help those clients directly. Yeah. So share with me, we got, we're talking about hidden secrets here. So what are, what are some of those hidden secrets? And then we can dive into some of those in more detail. Well, I think one of the, the secrets is that, you know, when people think about networking or building relationships, they think about being super artificial. They think about, you know, cold calling people they don't like. Um, and so like, for me, one of the biggest secrets is the, the more genuine and sincere your relationships can be, the more powerful they're going to be. And the, the they're just going to work. So if you're building relationships just for referrals, you know, that's a disaster. That's never going to work. But if you're building sincere relationships and they happen to be people who can send you referrals, then, then you're going to be sort of killing two birds. You're going to be, uh, you know, growing as a person and, and having really meaningful relationships. And then it's also going to have a business application as well. So like, um, so for example, just you taking you Jordan on LinkedIn, like you're very, you, you're yourself, you know, you, I always see you in like a Hawaiian shirt. You're, you talk about the stuff that you're interested in and the stuff that you care about. And then people like me who really are into those kinds of things, we find you because, uh, you know, because you're so transparent about who you are. And um, that works way better than being fake and handing out business cards and, and begging for business all the time. None of that's going to work. We need, we need more like Jordans. We need more unique uh, wow. people who are just willing to be themselves rather than people who are just like, this is what a lawyer is supposed to look like. I'm going to pretend to be that. Breezy, we got to cut that clip. We need more Jordans. I think that's the first <laughs> time anybody has ever said that, including my wife. Um, no, but, but it's, it's so true. And it's so much easier. Like it is so much easier to just be yourself. You're not going to attract everybody, but you're going to really attract the people that already vibe with who you are anyway. And so like, you know, before this, we were talking about basketball a little bit, you know, I always tell people share what team you like, you're going to get people that are, you know, the biggest rivals and you might build a better relationship with them because your basketball teams are rivals that they wouldn't have known you from Adam otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, I used to keep a I'm a Lakers fan. And I used to keep this Lakers poster in my office. But I'm in jazz country and the jazz hate the Lakers. And so I thought it was going to drive clients away. But just like you said, like, I went from being somebody that they wouldn't have remembered maybe to they're like, yeah, that dumb Laker fan. But you know, he seems like he knew, knew what he was talking about. Like they created a file for me in their brain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Carlos asked Josh, how do you keep your emotions at bay when dealing with some of those cases that you're really passionate about? Um, you know, so I did, um, some divorce and custody work for about a year. And for some reason I was not able to like have a healthy detachment from those cases. I was just like up at three in the morning thinking about them. 
So I hated divorce. I mean, some of the clients were difficult, but I hated it because I was just living and dying with every ruling. For some reason in criminal, for, I don't know why, but I've had, maybe because I've done it more, I'm able to say, you know, this is the case, this is, here's our chances, and then I'm able to kind of step away from it. So I don't know that I have like a really good, like, this is how to do it. But for some reason, this area of law is easier for me to do that in. And so it may take some trial and error to find the cases. I did immigration for a while too. I'm not smart enough to do immigration. It's a very difficult substantive area of law to do. But I that that was another one where if my client got deported, I just like couldn't function. I was so upset. Um, and in criminal cases, again, it's not that I don't care about my clients, but I have enough of detachment that I can work on the case and, and uh, do a good job and then step away from it when it's time. Well, and I think for criminal law, you're really fighting the system more so than you're fighting the case. Yeah. You know, like I always, I always think it's funny at dinner parties when people are like, I can't believe, you know, as an attorney, how could you represent guilty people or whatnot? And you're always like, that's easier than representing truly innocent people because I want to make sure that the constitution exists for those people. So it exists for us too. <clears throat> yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have clients who, I have clients who come to me and they've already confessed. They've already, you know, that it's not really a guilt or innocence case. It's more of a, what's the punishment going to be case. And, um, and I know how to do that. I also know how to do the guilt or innocence case, but for some reason there were certain types of cases that I just couldn't, uh, maintain some emotional detachment from. Yeah. Well, you know, I always tell everybody in family law, there are only losers. And I realized that people took that to mean that I thought everyone in family is a loser. But what <laughs> I meant is like what society wants is these people to stay together and be happy, but mm. that's not going to be the case. So like, there is no real winning. Yeah. That's um, interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, there's a, it takes a while to find the right fit. Like I never in law school would have thought I'd be a criminal defense lawyer, but it just was like by process of elimination that I found the fit for me. And, and hopefully Carlos will find the right, the right one for him. All right. So talk to me more about, you know, we're talking about the genuineness that you need, the uniqueness of everybody and everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody. 99% of people have something about them that is likable, that is interesting, that is unique, you know, whatever it's going to be. And you sort of like, I always find you kind of make that your shtick, but in an authentic way. Mm. Yeah, that's that an interesting way to say that. Yeah, like, so I, uh, I read this book called Giftology um, that I really enjoyed, really liked it. Um, and the my only quibble with that book is that that, so like, if you've ever heard, read the five love languages or kind of know what it is. Yeah. You know, this is somebody clearly it's written. The book giftology is written by someone whose only love language is gifts. And so he's like the gospel of gifts. And, and that's, tr I think that's awesome. I think that he does really well at it, but if your love language is not gifts and your love language is quality time, then you can kind of just focus in and, and double down on that and create relationships that way. And it's going to be way more fun for you than trying to imitate someone else who has a, a totally different way of building relationships. So like, like you say, just doubling down on your quirkiness and what makes you unique and, and, uh, and just speaking your mind more often, and you'll, you'll actually kind of identify what's most important to you. And I want to, I want to not push back on that. I want to dive deeper on that. So from the standpoint of referrals, obviously so much of this is your time, you know, it's your time building mm -hmm. these relationships. So from that giftology, love language analysis, like if you're not a quality time person, are do you think that it's harder to build referrals? No, no. I think you can do it anyway. Like whatever, like well, whatever. Maybe not physical touch. That might be a weird <laughs> referral relationship, but. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I haven't thought about how to do that one, at least not a way that's legal, but, um, the, um, yeah, I mean, you find you, I think, so my business partner, 
um, was not really a gift guy, but he was, um, he, every person he met, he'd be like, this is my friend blank. Like he always felt like they were his best friends. And sometimes I'd be like, that guy doesn't even know your name. He's not your friend, but he sincerely felt that and it worked for him. And, um, I'm a little bit, you know, I don't know, like more uptight, I guess. Like I'm a little bit more standoffish and I'm, I'm not calling everybody their friend there, but I do enjoy, you know, sending someone a book or sending a gift and, and so I just, I mean, I think like if you do what's natural for you, it's going to be easier to do more consistently rather than trying to do something for a week and then hating it and, and stopping it. Yeah, I think that is, I think that's the thing. And, and, I, and I feel like a lot of, especially attorneys get that shiny object syndrome of like, hey, somebody told me I need to be on TikTok. Somebody told mm -hmm. me I need to be doing videos. Somebody told me I need to do this without ever really thinking about what you just said. Like, is this really what you want to do? Is this honest to you? Is this something you're going to enjoy? Right, right. I mean, like the habits that are easy to do, they're the ones we repeat. And honestly, I want to help other people make a habit of referring me business. And so I want to make that as easy and simple and as fun and as rewarding as possible. And if there are things that I need to do regularly to grow my referral business, I want to make those things easy and attractive and, and rewarding so that I'm more likely to keep keep doing them. I don't want to have to like white knuckle my way through some of this work that I have to do. I want to, I want to, you know, spend my time doing things that I already enjoy so that it doesn't feel like such a drag. So we we're kind of, we've talked a little bit about that mindset to get the referrals. I mean, having the sticky client experience, having that great client experience, having it be something you actually enjoy. Did you at some point identify who your ideal referral sources were going to be, or, or how did you figure out who to try to build these connections with? Yeah. So kind of going back to like my sort of conversion, quote unquote, to, to referrals. So initially I thought all referrals had to come from happy clients and, and I get some referrals from happy clients, but just some of my clients love me, but don't want to ever talk about their criminal case. And so then we had to, you know, so it took me years to just even realize, oh, like referrals can come from places other than clients. And so then we just started kind of monitoring sort of where they were coming from and putting more resources in the areas where it was happening. And for me, and, and probably for most attorneys, it's like 90% from other attorneys. So, right. and that's kind of cool because that's a club I'm already in, you know, I, other attorneys know that I'm an attorney and, and so, and I know lots of attorneys. And so just spending more time and resources, building those relationships. I mean, it's, it's actually pretty simple. Like, you know, you just spend more time with these people, uh, find ways to be of service to them. And, and it always works out. So for you, basically, are you a hundred percent focused on other attorneys as your referral sources? Seventy five percent, fifty percent? Like, what's the? I would say close to ninety percent, but like okay. it's more, so it's so uh, other attorneys are a big one. Um, substance abuse treatment providers um, have been big ones um, in the past. Bail bonds uh, people would be uh, better better referral sources. Uh, Utah's changed some of the bail bonds laws and made it a lot harder for bail bonds to work. So that's kind of gone away. So it's been mostly uh, substance abuse treatment providers and other attorneys. And so it's interesting because obviously if I'm sitting here as a real estate attorney, other attorneys should still be a great referral source, but substance abuse treatment providers probably not. Right. So you right. really have to talk about your ideal client and your ideal area of law, your ideal industry to figure out who those ideal referral sources would be. Yeah. And we keep a list of the people who have sent us referrals or who, who we really want to send us referrals. So it's less about like these huge categories. I don't need every divorce lawyer in the state of Utah to send me business. I need 
five or 10 divorce lawyers in Utah to send me business. And so we've already identified some that already do. And we spend a lot of energy just like trying to t show them how much we appreciate them, maintain the relationship, look for ways to to grow their business and to just maintain, um, you know, the, the, we don't want to be takers. We want to be offering a lot of value to these people and uh, maintaining that relationship. By the way, we pay no referral fees. We do not pay referral fees. It's kind of hard to do in Utah. It's getting a little bit easier, but we're not, we're not trying to bribe people to send us business. We want genuine referrals from people who really feel that they can recommend us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, you know, the old expression is um, if you compete on price, you'll find somebody who wants to go to business faster than you. And I think for <laughs> a lot of these states, removing the requirements on referral fees, you know, you're going to find somebody who's going to give you the most chunk of the pie, leaving them with the inability to service the client in a viable manner that makes sense. So yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So if, you know, use the example of, of divorce attorneys, so needing like five to 10, let's say you have three, you know, what are some of the things that you've done once you know what referral sources you want to then find them or get in front of them or start building that relationship? How does somebody take that step? So, so LinkedIn is, is a really powerful and useful way to do this um, because the, the targeting on LinkedIn is just like ridiculous. And so, um, so it's, it's amazing. LinkedIn is really, really good at helping you find that one key crucial person. So, um, so for example, we, there was an attorney, he was a, a partner at this pretty kind of fancy law firm here in Utah. And I want, I knew that he sent out a fair number of criminal referrals and I knew who he sent them to and I wanted to meet him. And so I went to a friend of mine, I, I looked on LinkedIn and saw that they were connected. And I went to him and I was like, what, would you feel comfortable making this introduction? And he was like, absolutely, we're friends. And we went to lunch and, and it's led to a lot of referrals since then. So LinkedIn is great at showing me like who is, rather than me reaching out cold to someone, who's somebody who could make an introduction to that person. And that, and, and so there's people that never send me client referrals, but they send me lots of introductions to the people who can send me client referrals that are just as valuable, if not more so than the people who send client referrals. Yeah. You know, I always tell people like, look, if somebody sends you five clients a year, that's fantastic. But if somebody connects you with five people who all send you five clients a year, now you've got 25 new clients and that's going to be that much more important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there've been some people that have been just absolute game changers for us. They've been advocates for us. Um, they just are sold somehow. I, I really appreciate it. They're sold on what we're doing and then they're introducing us to other people who, uh, who can send us business. And it's just, you know, it's, it's changed my life. So from your perspective, we got another question here. Is it wise to have a personal and professional Facebook and Instagram account? What's your perspective on that? Um, personally, no. I mean, personally, my feeling is that people hire clients, they hire attorneys, not firms most of the time. And so like, I want to, you know, people know me like that. And so I don't want to have like a separate, like, this is me professional. I guess maybe LinkedIn might be that I wouldn't post my kids pictures as much on LinkedIn, I guess. Um, so, uh, personally, no, I, I prefer to just say like, this is me. And if you want to work with me, great. And if you want to come to my kid's birthday party, great. Like, and, and have that sort of be unified. It's kind of like what you said, like it's way much, it's way less work to try to remember like, okay, what is this persona supposed to be into? And uh, I got to write about this and this is what I care about. No, like I just write about what I care about. I write about what I'm interested in, what I'm obsessed with, what I'm reading and just having that kind of unified. I mean, I guess you could call it branding, but branding is maybe even a little bit less sincere than what I'm trying to say. It's just like being yourself more often out loud where people can see it online. 
Yeah, the one, so from my perspective, I, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn, I think are so much different than Instagram for this question. You know, Facebook and LinkedIn, you know that you have the personal pages and then you know you have the company page or the company profile. Instagram is that weird one where there isn't that same group dynamic mentality, company mentality. So it's like, do you do the Instagram page for you or for the firm or for both? It's a little bit harder question to answer. Um, yeah. From my perspective, I would go back to what are you going to do with it? You know, are you going to get ideal clients off of Instagram, then be more active on it? If you're not, then maybe you focus more on LinkedIn to find more referral sources, or maybe you focus more on Facebook because that's where you're going to have more of the people that, you know, you need to grow the firm. Yeah. Well, I think also how, so I think what you said is really important, which is, you know, what are you going to do with it? How, how, what, you know, what's the measure of success is maybe another way to say that. And so I think on Instagram or on some of these, the way you measure success is by having millions of followers or, you know, how many likes you got. But, you know, really what we're looking for is a small group of people who are, who are referring us business. And so one new relationship is a win on any of these platforms, whereas having 100,000 more followers might, act, might not actually lead to any new business. So, um, so the, you know, kind of taking a relationship off one of those where you're having a Zoom call or where you're getting together for lunch or something like that, that's a win in a way that having a bunch of likes or, or followers isn't really, I don't know what you're going to do with that. Or hypothetically having a Facebook live show where you invite cool people you met on LinkedIn. To come <laughs> but you have show. a marketing company. That's a little bit different, but. <laughs> it's true. We, uh, we can do this for clients should any of them want a similar show. Um, no, but it, so it's interesting because really like when I first, for me, I got a lot of referrals completely, like not unintentionally, but having no idea what I was really doing. And so I think it pretty much started with, uh, with Stacey Brown Randall's Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast that I really figured out a more organized system over here. So we kind of talked about the, you know, who are you to get referrals, um, who you're looking for, where you find them. But like, tell me the part that I think the heart, the hardest part is like when you're connected with them, what do you talk about? You know, how do you build that relationship in that face-to-face -face or screen-to-screen -screen contact now? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's about being generous. Like I have people who call me and I see their name on my phone and I'm like, ugh, because I know they want something. It's going to be a huge hassle. I don't want to be that person when, when my name comes up on someone else's phone. And so um, what I would say is what you talk about is you talk about them. People love talking about themselves and they feel so good around people that sort of show them the best side of themselves. So like I, I would say don't talk about yourself almost at all. Like talk about them. Um, help them grow and achieve their goals. Something that I find kind of fun is if I do, if I hop on a Zoom call, I'll ask a question like, "What's something you're working on? What's a big project you're working on?" And it could be anything. Like, let's say they say, "I'm trying to run a marathon." You, you, if you can see me, you can tell I don't run marathons. I'm not a marathon runner. I don't know anything about running a marathon, but I can buy a marathon running book. And uh, and so I might look for that kind of excuse to send them that book. So it's, I think it's about being generous. It's about um, looking for their interests, looking for the things that they're excited about. And if you are um, hitting those but those buttons with them, then they're going to be looking for ways to do the same for you, to grow with you. And if they're generous people, it's going to be a great relationship that it's not just a business relationship, but it will be a productive business relationship as well. Yeah, I always tell, so what I'm always shooting for is I want one good and memorable story about me. And then like, that's it. You know, so, so for you, I think, you know, you share that story of the, the dentist or the doctor that you got off from the, 
you know, they were able to keep their license after the DUI or domestic abuse or, you know, whatever it was along those lines. And then I totally agree with you. And then it's like, all right, now, now that I have my 45 seconds, like you tell me your life for the next 60 minutes. Oh, I couldn't agree more, by the way, about stories. Like their stories are such a more portable, uh, persuasive way to kind of help people understand what, what we want than to just say, Hey, would you please refer me dentists? You know? So like having that story is such a, that's going to be way more powerful and influential than just uh, saying, here's a list of people I'd like referrals for. Absolutely. Um, hey, Carlos, I see your question, but I'm about 30 seconds in advance of where Facebook runs it. So I don't know. So you're asking, do you give them life advice along with legal advice? So I don't know what you're talking about that in reference to. If you it sounds the like, question. It sounds like you might be saying, like, do you give your referral partners life advice? I think that's kind of what he's saying because we were talking about the marathon thing. Um, oh, okay. Could be. I mean, so, you know, I, I, that's sort of like a social skills kind of thing where it's like, you've got to know what, what kind of relationship does this person want? Um, you know, I wouldn't jump in with advice without, you know, per, real explicit permission that they want it. Um, and it depends on how long the, the relationship has been there. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I have referred, like I had a chat this morning with, um, a great, he's a really good friend. I've known him for years. He has sent me business. I've sent him business. And he gave me some really good advice about some stuff that I'm dealing with. So there are relationships that are like that. I don't think that there's sort of a yes or no rule there. I think it kind of more depends on on the relationship and, and if it's a sort of advice-giving relationship. Yeah, I um, and I think that's kind of one of the best parts about connecting with other attorneys is you're not expected to give legal advice in like those weird instances. Because I always love, you know, like I'll get a call from a, a chiropractor that sends us a bunch of PI and they're like, hey... So my neighbor put up a fence, like, is that on my property line? And I'm always like, I am so out of like, hold on, <laughs> I will get the right person into this conversation because yeah. I know less about this than you do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I do, the one thing though I do want to stress though is I suggest have mentors and have referral partners. You will have some that will be both, but don't necessarily expect all of that from everybody when mm. it comes to, you know, getting life advice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think there's some people that you're just genuine friends and, you know, it becomes very complete. And then there's other people that you have just like a strictly business relationship and that's what they want. And that's great too. All right. So we talked about the who, we talked about the where, we talked about the what to do. So what are you doing after that connection? Like, how are you keeping that relationship going? How are you strengthening that relationship? How are you staying in touch with these people? Um, share, share some wisdom there. Please. So I'm pretty low tech. I mean, like I don't use like a CRM or anything like that. Um, but I do keep a list of people that I do want to stay in touch with. And so it's really, um, I find that it helps me be happier and just more positive if I look at the list regularly and I say, how can I serve one of the people on this list? So, you know, that might mean sending a gift. It might mean making an introduction. It might mean uh, you know, liking their Facebook post, you know, whatever it is, what's something that I can do to kind of make this person's day. And um, when I do that, I feel good because I've, you know, helped them out and I'm not doing it with like an expectation of, okay, I've made your day three times that equals one referral. It's not that right. it's, it's an actual sincere, how can I help these people relationship? And uh, if I get to the end of the day and I help some of my clients and I help some of my referral partners, that's a great day. So I think uh, at least when I looked down as you were talking about not having a CRM, the thing running above your head was our CRM and automation <laughs> uh, little thing. So I'm, I'm curious if that lined up ideally, if not. Um, yeah. So, so then let me flip that question. So if you're doing it this way, how many people are on that list? 
You know, um, we're always kind of adding or taking people off just kind of based on what we're feeling. And, and so I would say around 40, um, you know, it's just, and I think that shows like, you don't need a million, you know, right. you don't need to build an, an email newsletter with tens of thousands of people on it. You know, 40 can be a really, really nice practice. And so, uh, we try to keep track. Like if somebody, um, comes in and, and hires us and we'll ask them, you know, how did you hear about us? And if they say somebody new, try to figure out who that person was. Sometimes we have no idea who they're talking about. But um, if it's somebody that we know and we can maintain a relationship with and we want to, you know, just, you know, immediately send a thank you note, immediately positively reinforce that that referral, but then also just maintain the relationship. And again, be generous, look for ways to offer value and to, to make their day. Yeah. One of the things um, on the thank you notes that we do that I have found great success with is I'm thanking them really for taking time out of their life to make sure this person got help. Like it's even that more so than sending them to us just because I think that the average person is like, Oh, sorry, I can't help you. See ya. Like it's mm -hmm. such a different mindset to be a referral source, mm -hmm. let alone how awesome it is when you're the one that they trust to solve the problem. Right. Right. And I think like, ideally you're, they're not doing you a favor by sending you the case. You're doing them a favor by, helping this person out. Cause a lot of times it's someone they care about. And, um, so just like you said in that, the example of, you know, somebody has got some question about a boundary line or something. I mean, if it's somebody you care about, you have kind of a you have a couple of problems. The first problem is you, you need to get this person taken care of without spending the rest of your day trying to research property lines. And then number two, you got to make sure that you maintain that relationship and you don't hurt the relationship by sending a bad referral. And so by, sending the referral to the exact right person who's going to take really good care of this person. It's not that you're doing that, that person you're sending a referral to a favor. They're doing you a favor by taking care of this issue for someone you care about. So I think that like in our thank you notes, I think we should be careful not to send the impression like, Oh, thank you. I really needed that. Uh, you, oh, you saved me. I don't know how, what I would have done without that referral, but to say, Hey, yeah, like, I like what you said. Like, Thank you for taking the time to help this person by sending them to me. I'm going to make sure that I do not drop the ball. It's safe with me. And I'm going to make sure I get, get them taken care of. And there, and the way that you phrase that though, there are a couple of people I'm going to send your welcome cards to them. Now that like people that I know really well enough that they will find it funny. I'm going to be like, you're welcome for me accepting this uh, client from you and not making it your problem. Just but sometimes we, we get so desperate. Remember, like I said earlier that, you know, when you're desperate, it's, it's cringy. It's, it's, and so sometimes we act like, oh, you know, we're falling all over ourselves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We should be thankful. Of course we should be thankful. Thank you for sending that. But, you know, we're good at what we do. And, um, it's not that there were 20 other people that were better that they could have sent it to. No, like they sent it to the right person. And so we ought to be careful to not send the message that, that they were doing us some special favor by hurting this client, by sending them to us. Makes perfect sense. So is there a, I want to phrase this the right way. Is there a time frame that you're making these touch points to stay top of mind? Is there a certain number of, of ideal interactions you have with this person over the course of a year? Are you letting it happen a lot more organically than that? Like what's the process, you know, towards the, towards the maintenance of this relationship? Yeah. So I would say probably at least twice a year, we try to send a really thoughtful gift to those sort of 40 ish people. Um, and so even if I haven't spoken to them, they're going to get a nice handwritten card and a, and a gift that's hopefully kind of thoughtful and meaningful to them. 
Um, but then beyond that, you know, no, I don't really have, I, again, I'll look at it regularly. And if I see somebody, I'm like, man, I haven't talked to that person in a long time or, oh, he just got a new job. I should reach out to him and, and chat with him about that. Um, so it's more like, again, 40 is a sort of number that I can sort of keep in my mind. I do need the reminder of looking at the names on the list, but I know everybody on that list. So I don't, yeah, we don't have it. We don't want to over automate it. We don't want to make it feel to the people that are on that list. Like they're getting like a drip campaign. We want it to always be sincere and genuine and a real relationship and not, and not, uh, that like some bot is talking to them. Yeah. I usually tell people 50, so 50, you have like one week to dedicate to that person. So if that's, you do, you know, you do lunch every week and you rotate through, you put some of the, you know, you've got the more, I guess organic is the right word. You've got the more like, oh, you know, they're a big Lakers fan. The Lakers had a big win, you know, send them the article or check in something along those lines. Yeah. That's a uh, good number. 50. Yeah. That lights up so nicely with the year. Right. And so then you like, this is like, not, this is their week from an awkward standpoint, but from a, like, I know that I can commit enough time every week to really make this person feel special you know, right. frequently enough. And I think like some people starting out think I've got to spend three hours every day. No, like you can spend just a few minutes, a couple of times a week, and you can really maintain those relationships. And, and again, you're going to be enriched by those relationships. It's not going to be a drag. It's going to be like, I, I get to hang out basically with these 50 people that I care about. So, and, uh, and to confirm what we're saying is not complete BS. And we really believe this. So Carlos just wrote that I sent him a personal card that he saved the best thing. Cause it was handwritten, um, which means it was my chicken scratch. And if you can read it, <laughs> major props to you. I have been told I should have been a doctor based upon my handwriting being so terrible. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me how unique genuine human interaction or genuine human connection is that you can build a great business and firm out of it when you're doing it for the right reasons to help clients and to build great relationships and, you know, to make sure that you're doing well or doing right by everybody involved. I think that's exactly right. I mean, so the, the unfortunate truth is, um, there are people that I might like, but they, they just are never going to send me referrals and they never have. And I just, I, you know, I've got to just, they're not as high a priority in terms of me maintaining the relationship as the kinds of people who send me frequent referrals. But I don't have anybody on that list of 40 where I'm like, if they showed up at my office, I'd be like, ugh, I got to talk to this guy again. You know, like I make sure that there are people that I want to spend more time with. They're people that make me feel like a better person when I'm around them. They inspire me. And so it's, it is, it's a joy to work with them. And then, and then they send me clients that are a joy to work for as well. And I will, I will happily share this. So I've had my firm for under six years, um, for like two or three years, I totally had people on the list that I hated. <laughs> I'm not hated that I did not like, like I did not genuinely like them. There was something about them. They rubbed me the wrong way, whatever it was. And finally, whatever well, that makes it two, two and a half years ago, I was like, I'm done. Like I'm cutting all these people out if I don't like them. And it has been so much better. And some of them have still sent me business because like we are really good at what we do, but I don't feel that cringe in my stomach. Like, oh my God, please cancel lunch. Please cancel lunch. Please don't choke. <laughs> please bail on me. Please have, you know, like. It just, it totally changed my mindset. And so now to, to anybody that I reach out to or have lunch with, like, I really genuinely enjoy you. And that's why I'm spending that time with you. And honestly, like, you know, not to minimize COVID because it's a huge tragedy, of course, but it is a really good excuse to cancel plans with people you don't like, because, you know, it's hard to go to lunch. And so I, I've, I've been able to kind of filter out and I'm with you. It took me a long time to have the confidence to say, I just don't like going to lunch with that person. And so I'll send them a thank you note if they send me business, but I'm just not going to go to lunch with them anymore. 
So I've had a number of people cancel lunch on me recently. So maybe, maybe I am the, uh, what you just said, I'm, I'm the consistent link. Uh, all right. So we're getting towards the end of this. We've been going about 45 minutes here. Um, anything else that you want to make sure we cover as we get towards the end? Yeah. I mean, I, th you know, just to kind of reiterate something that we've said is like the tool doesn't necessarily matter. If you're good at LinkedIn and you like LinkedIn, use LinkedIn. If you like Facebook or Instagram, use those. But like the goal is to build genuine, sincere, generous relationships. And if you do that, you just can't help you, but be successful. And those people will help you find a job. If you need to find a job, they're going to help you get clients. If you need clients, they're going to, you know, watch your Facebook live. They're going to do whatever, whatever they can to support you. And, and that's what it's all about. And you're going to enjoy your career. There's too many miserable lawyers who just hate their work and I, I, it doesn't need to be that way. There are too many miserable lawyers. That <laughs> is, that is a fantastic takeaway. So I'm not going to let you go yet. But I do want to talk about our next show that will air today is Thursday. So that will air next Monday at 130. Um, we have Melissa Shanahan on who is going to talk about. Nope, did I lose it? Nope, not that week. So Melissa is going to talk about unlocking your most valuable asset, your brain. Melissa runs Velocity Work and helps attorneys really get their house in order to really create a better practice that supports a better life site, a light, a better life for them, which goes right back into there are so many miserable attorneys. So she's going to talk to us about how to unlock our brain because awesome. we have so many of the answers and that'll be next Monday at one 30. So, all right. Um, I think this is going to go down as our longest episode. Congratulations. Ooh, sorry. To you. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Like literally I looked down and I was like, Oh my God, we're, we're almost at uh, 45 minutes or over. Um, I could easily talk to you about this and have on LinkedIn for hours, if not days about this topic. But if somebody has been listening for the last like 50 minutes and they take nothing away from this, except what you're about to say, what is that biggest piece of advice, that most important takeaway that really helps people be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? It's a little counterintuitive, but I would say, stop thinking about what you can get. Stop thinking about the referrals you can get and start thinking about being generous and what can I offer and what can I give? And it'll it's life-changing you'll be happier and you'll be way way more successful yeah it's always provide value provide value provide value and i think the more that you provide value you're always going to get people to take advantage of you but you're going to give yourself so many more opportunities for that to come back in exponentially 100 percent. and you're a great example of it i mean you're you've given me like advice and LinkedIn comments that I've a hundred percent acted on. Um, hey, cool. so, so you're a great example of being generous in your relationships. And, uh, and that's why any chance to hang out with you on a Facebook live, I will take. There we go. Well, if you're ever in Orlando or if I'm ever in Salt Lake city, we'll, uh, we'll actually connect in person, but the Let's beauty do of the beauty of at least, I guess the last year now has been the awesomeness of building actual genuine relationships with people at scale across any distance. Thanks. It's Thanks a miracle. The computer. It's a miracle. All right. Have a great day. Get back to that wonderful wife and the 11, almost 12 children. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com. E-A-S-E.